Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Did you ever think, think there's, there's life, life out there, there that, that exists beyond the constructs of our own reality and we coexist with them but can't perceive one another? Jinx! You owe me a beer. Say a number on three. One, two, three, 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 sixty-nine. Ah. <laughs> what do you want more than anything in the world right now? One, two, three. Pizza. The touch of a woman. Oh. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Uh, I, um, going in a different direction. So aliens. What's going on, guys? And welcome back to Life's Wreck, the podcast where I, Kyle Moore, a 21-year-old basket case and the lovely voice in my head, Hello. explore the world of mental health through conversations with special guests, humor, and you know what? Just an all-around good time. Oh, sounds like a party. Guys, thanks for rating and reviewing. This is the new norm, eh? What do you mean? We're going to do this at the beginning of every episode. Yeah, it's fun. I don't know. I, you know, I don't need you criticizing how I open the show. Yeah, well, people don't like it. People love it. Come on. All right, shoot. What's the what's the deal this time? What what little special thing do you got? Okay, I'm got glad you asked. Uh, here, I'll backtrack a little bit. Guys, thanks for rating and reviewing the podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. Uh, if you haven't already and screenshot proof of the fact that you've rated and reviewed the podcast, not only will I be super grateful, but if you send that to the at Life's Direct podcast Instagram account, um, I will, I will let you caption my next Instagram post. There you go. That's Bro, the, what, what, <laughs> what do you mean? That sucks. That's not an incentive. Whatever, it's, a, it's a good time. Yeah. But an incentive. Anyway, is like, on another note, this week's guest, did I just get is, cut off? It is great. Not only is it great, but we're having a great conversation because we're talking cannabis, baby. The old devil's lettuce, little weed, little pot, little, little, I, I don't, I don't know any more terms for, for pot. Yes, sir. And uh, we're doing it with Matt Meredith. Uh, Matt's a buddy of mine uh, and the founder of Cottonmouth Media, a production company in Southern California specializing in cannabis Dope, videography and photography. He documents his life in the cannabis industry and manages a YouTube channel with over 10,000 subscribers. He is also the co-founder of Unreal Stories, a production company specializing in documentary filmmaking and branded content. Matt, he's an absolutely incredible guy. I had a 
awesome time recording with him. And uh, and I guess we'll we'll start it off the way we started all of them off. Matt, how you doing, man? Sure. I think uh, I definitely reflect a lot. I feel like about how my life is going, being like you know doing like the entrepreneurial type of lifestyle. Yeah. Um, but so for me personally, you know, like things are, I can't complain at all. I don't, um, I'm very grateful and, and blessed to like be where I'm at, to have the support from my family that I have and, um, support from my friends too. But, uh, yeah, life is, life is, is good. You know, I'm, I'm working hard to be moving out of my parents' house soon. Yep. And uh, I've been living with them for the past like three years since I graduated from Cal Poly. But, uh, yeah, definitely. Obviously, with like all the protesting going on and just having COVID-19 obviously be a, a huge change to uh, 2020. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, it just it makes me think about even more that I'm grateful that I have like the the life that I do have and the, and the support that I do have, you know. So, mm-hmm. I mean, just trying to always be like happy with what I'm doing is for the most part, what I'm focused on, but like, so making, making films and yeah. be, how can I be happiest doing what I think I'm doing to be happy? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, man, like you, your progression, I would love if you could kind of give uh, my listeners and I a bit of a backstory about everything that you do do, because obviously, you know, I threw a little intro at the beginning of this, but uh, kind of in your own words, what your progression through this creative space has been like. Yeah, so I went to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, and I was an education major. Technically, it was called liberal studies, but I just say education major to avoid the confusion of it being mistaken for like liberal politics or something. But um, not that there's anything wrong with that. But uh, so yeah, I was an education major, and I am. I right away when I got to Cal Poly, I joined a fraternity, so I was in Lambda Chi Alpha there, and. By doing that, I started to, you know, figure out, okay, how can I contribute, like, to the fraternity outside of just, like, partying? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I appreciated that they make, they actually really tried to make you think about that. Um, so, <clears throat> to not make a too long of a story out of it, I got really into philanthropy in my fraternity. That kind of felt right as, like, the way to uh, provide value to the fraternity because it was also providing value to, you know, something greater and beyond the fraternity itself. Right. Um, and our national philanthropy was uh, Feeding America. Right. And so I was very involved with like the slow food bank while I was there. And I don't know, <clears throat> when you're when you're providing food to people, it's just like this undeniably good thing, you know? Absolutely. Like if there was anything I learned from college, it was like never say no to a free meal, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, 100%. So, uh, that really got me interested in like this entrepreneurial type of thinking, you know, being um, in charge of it and raising money somehow and like having people to help you that you're essentially employing. So it was just like a little taste of what it was like to, you know, have ownership over like, uh, you know, really I was thinking that I was getting into event planning, but I was really just getting into like that entrepreneurial type of thinking. Right. And event planning was just kind of like the medium. Mm-hmm. But uh, from doing a lot of event planning, I started to get involved into like, wow, I think I'm like good at raising money. Like I should try doing sales. So I had a couple different sales jobs while I was at school. And, you know, from doing those sales jobs, I realized that like I wanted to rip my eyeballs out being like a cold call <laughs> sailor. 
Yeah. Oh, my and, God. Yeah. And, and, and it's great experience. And I enjoyed the camaraderie, right. And the competition of like the people around you, that's like, you know, you don't get that obviously like working at home by yourself. So that's something yeah. really nice about it, but it obviously just doesn't come with the freedom. And, you know, for me, it gets to the point where like, I want to really, really, really believe the product I'm selling because mm-hmm. if I don't, I'm not going to sell well. Right. Because, because if it's really something you believe in, you're not even selling, you know, for sure. You're, 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 you're just explaining something you believe in. Mm-hmm. Um, so then from there, I was like, okay, well, I, I think I want to start my own business once I got to like my senior year. And that's what I did. And my girlfriend, uh, she went to Chapman University. So she was in film school there. And we wanted, we saw this huge niche in social media, like marketing and managing for mm-hmm. small businesses that most of them didn't know how to do it, even the large businesses mm-hmm. um, and medium sized businesses. Um, obviously, you know, some really big ones really, really get it and they're using it to their advantage. You know, there's great examples, but, um, for the most part, we saw a huge niche of available jobs mm-hmm. through the social media avenue. Yeah. So we started a company together called S'more Media and did a ton of social media marketing for like restaurants was more so the bread and butter. Cause I was working also like at school for a sandwich shop that to this day is still one of my like social media clients. Nice. And I saw how bad their social media was though. And so like that was sort of kind of happening right. Meanwhile, while we're about to start this business, I was like kind of just doing it for extra cash because I loved this sandwich shop, but we had trash social media that we were supposedly paying someone for. Yeah. And so I was like, yo, the owner's name was Ellen at the time. I was like, Ellen, let me take this over. I showed her like a little plan Mm -hmm. and I was like, you can pay me the same wage you're doing to make sandwiches to now just be doing the social media and uh she said yes and i was like all right and like i survived like her passing on the ownership to uh someone else and they're still a client of mine so it's been really fun and i've learned so much by being able to be involved with their social media and they give me a lot of creative freedom Mm -hmm. but so like food photography really got me into like the that was my first like good value i feel like i was able to provide was food photography okay and I really, really loved video, though. I loved movies growing up. Um, you know, I loved School of Rock. I loved quoting <laughs> and impersonating Jim Carrey. You know, whatever uh, stupid shit about movies inspired me. But, uh, you know, I just I saw that I really enjoyed that. So I wanted to make YouTube videos and, and really get into filmmaking. So, you know, you know, the past two years have really been focused on um video and even more so the last year and a half like documentary filmmaking and Mm -hmm. so i really feel like i've found my true thing i do now of documentary filmmaking and i really have a heavy uh emphasis on like cinematography and editing Mm -hmm. and so my girlfriend plays more of like the producer director role and so we really have transformed away from some more media and away from being like a social media company to now we are a production company that specializes in documentary filmmaking and branded content. So we make like, you know, if it was for life's a wreck podcast, it would just be a two minute piece on Kyle and like why he started it. Right. And what his mission and goal with it is. Right. That's the essence of what you get out of like your branded piece. Right. Um, But it's just all documentary style and focused. It's real. It's authentic, you know, and it's really us asking you questions, um, you know, with a, a, purpose in the direction but as any film does you know so 
it's really just making a short documentary about a business. And um, now we understand social media really well and we understand how to like kind of use those avenues. So essentially we can like help businesses not only create that content, but we can maybe help them distribute it and push it out on their platforms a lot more strategically than right. they wouldn't maybe. Yeah. 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 So unreal stories is now the name of our business. And so the whole idea is that we capture real people, but unreal stories. I love it, man. No, unreal yeah. stories is, is incredible. And, and then, you know, today we're talking about uh, cannabis and mental health and uh, right. give, me the, give me the background on, uh, on Cloudmouth media. Yeah. So um, I said I was interested in making YouTube videos, right? Kind of along that. So part of how I became like a better editor was, you know, really experimenting on, on YouTube. I did a daily blog on a different channel, but um, <clears throat> a little over three years ago, I was, you know, I, I was, I've gotten really into cannabis ever since I was like 18, right now, I'm mm-hmm. almost 25. So you do the math. Uh, Probably and I, I've never, I've never, I was never good at math. So. <laughs> um, but doing Cottonmouth Media was kind of just because I saw this like one. I, I wanted to start like a similar type of like social media agency, mm-hmm. right? But for cannabis, because I saw right. the huge niche in the cannabis industry too, right? And I knew it's it was on the brink of explosion because can uh, California had just legalized recreationally, right? Um, and then not not long after, you know, Canada goes national. Mm-hmm. So obviously, I was like starting to really, really, really pay attention to it. And I just got really, really into it. And I've, you know, I tried to read a lot of news about cannabis and, um, you know, I just saw like the huge niche and I was like, why don't I do that for the cannabis industry? Because my friend kind of from high school, I played basketball with him, his name's Sam Sartoshi. And he saw like I had made this video for my fraternity for a philanthropy event and was like, yo, are you a videographer? And I'm like, yeah. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that was like, as it was starting and, he invited me to come film at this um, event called Stand Up and Take Your Clothes Off, where it was like comedy meets burlesque. Yeah, and yeah. right, so like every other performance was burlesque, every other performance was a, a comedy stand up bit. Huh. And uh, the you know the MC is a very uh, like uh, you know <clears throat> raunchy and. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> she's but she's hilarious and but anyways i filmed like the uh the lucas brothers there's a you know i don't know those if you know those comedians it it sounds familiar i i couldn't place them but i've definitely heard the name like kicking around for sure yeah no they're these uh black twin brothers that are hilarious and they were on 22 jump street was where i first saw them because they were just on a small little bit yeah yeah they were students in the the twins right Mm -hmm. yeah okay okay i got you yeah, and they're they're hilarious, and they have a television show on Hulu and stuff. Like they're crushing it now, and they were crushing it then. But like I, it was just like this euphoric experience with like you know dab bars and all these infused edibles and trinkets and uh, tinctures and uh, whatever, anything you could think of like was was there, and it was like wow, this is real. This is like an industry, you know. Mm-hmm. And so like I was hooked it right away, and you know I had come up with the name Cottonmouth Media with my friend in our garage while we're just like smoking weed, you know, like some around that time when I got invited to that event. Mm -hmm. So I made a YouTube channel and it basically like, you know, my first video that I made that like really was worth a damn was like how to clean a bomb in Mm -hmm. two minutes. Mm -hmm. And 
it was worth a damn because it was actually useful and valuable for people that, cause I was like always using that technique of like alcohol and salt to like clean our bongs and yeah, yeah, right? yeah. just because that's what we were doing to clean it. It was just kind of like a known thing from anyone who smokes that like, yeah, you fucking clean it with alcohol and salt. Hi, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Kyle here. Uh, yeah, this is uh, during the editing process. Uh, this is where I decided to uh, to to just quit it uh, with the with the bleeping out the uh, swear words. Um, I just uh, it was a lot of work, um, and I am just I am just one man, one devilishly handsome one. Uh, so uh, so yeah, uh, the rest of the episode there will be swearing. Just a little bit of a warning. Got a couple uh, of twenty year olds talking about cannabis. So uh, hide your kids, hide your wife. There are going to be some cuss words. <laughs> some sticky language coming up all right thank you for that and uh and back to the episode enjoy enjoy right and i i kind of enjoyed that process because i liked it getting squeaky clean and i was like looking on youtube and i was like this does not take 10 minutes to explain yeah you know like why is this a 10 minute video and i'm like oh it's because they're trash at editing and they're explaining boring and I'm not, you know, education was my major, right? So I'm like, right. bro, none of these people know how to educate properly. One, mm-hmm. two, they're not educating properly, so I'm making it fun. So I was like, why don't I make a a video that's like fun and kind of funny, mm-hmm. and also like kind of um, make it really short and to the point, right? Super value driven. So two minute tutorials. Gotcha. Was what I started, and I was also heavily inspired in my video making and starting YouTube by Peter McKinnon, who had this whole like uh, two minute Tuesdays deal. And I was, I just loved how like he was that type of educator where he was like, what's up guys, you know, Peter McKinnon here, he's super bodacious and in your face. And, but he's really authentic and, and, and smart. And so I was just like, that was like my, almost like an impression of him, honestly, doing that video. Right. And it, and it really got me out of my shell. And like that, that video now is like my most viewed video on my channel, mm-hmm. you know, almost like 400,000 views or whatever. But it, nice. it's, I knew that once it got past a certain point and people saw how short it was that like it would keep getting more views. Cause that's how my brain worked when I was looking for tutorial videos was like, mm-hmm. Oh, this one's got a million views. It's gotta be good. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like where your brain goes when you're just like looking for a quick tutorial on something and you also want it to be quick, right? People are always skipping ahead to like skip to four minutes where you actually explain. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, I'm like, well, it's undoubted that like in a less than three minute video that like I'm going to explain this pretty quickly. Right. So I don't know. It was just like where that, that thought process came from. And I just always carried the initial thought process of, it needs to be super value driven content for cotton mouth media for cannabis type of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I don't know. It just it seemed logical to me that like not inspiring people, not just like sitting there and like taking dabs. Right. Didn't seem like I was really providing a value to the audience, but like mm-hmm. if I can teach people something, cause like I thought about when national legalization in the U S happens, I'm like, where's grandma going to go to figure out how to clean her fucking bomb. Yeah. She's going to go to YouTube and she's going to find my video and she's going to see that I'm funny and that it's got a lot of views and she's going to go. Right. Yeah. That's like Cottonmouth Media started and it really started just like building on itself. Right. Because I was documenting events because of my friend, Sam, Mm -hmm. and he was hosting other events called Blunt Talks. And so I was constantly getting into the L.A. like 
Cannabis networking scene. scene. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I was I was doing him a favor and like <clears throat> filming these events for free, but like he was doing me a favor in the sense that I was getting connected to all of these people. Right. So I kind of started to build a little reputation while simultaneously doing like a, a YouTube online building of my reputation because those those are different people. That's more like the beginners that are just deciding weeds like their thing, or maybe some stoners or whatever, but like for the most part, like I'm intending to like draw in like, hey, you newbie, you don't get what's going on. Let me explain. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What was it? What was it about cannabis that drew you to it originally? Kind of when you first started smoking when you were like 18. That's a good question, actually. Not a, not many people have asked me that question. <clears throat> um. So when I was 17, I was uh, dating this girl, mm-hmm. and or excuse me, let me back up even a little bit further. When I was 16, I played basketball in high school and like my whole basketball team was like stoners, basically. Mm -hmm. Not all of them, but a lot of them. And this was so I was like a junior on varsity and like with one other two other like guys that were also juniors and um, or maybe three. But regardless, like I was like totally like not I was like totally against weed my freshman year of high school. Opened up my mind in, in my sophomore year to the idea that people aren't bad that smoke weed. And then my junior <laughs> year, I was like, fuck it. Let's just try it. You know? Yeah. yeah. And um, my basketball team was like the last game of the season. And all the guys that love smoking were like, bro, we're going to go get lit after this. Cause we're not going to get tested ever. You know? <laughs> so um, people didn't do it during season. Cause you have the risk of getting tested. So then interesting. Okay. we go to like my friend's man cave after the game, we're just wearing our uniforms all sweaty and, I like, we had like this big ass bubble. It was like 22 guys in this room. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a big ass crew. Like some of their friends are there, you know, Damn, and uh, like they're passing a bubbler around. And so I hit a bubbler. It was like the first time, you know, and it was this thing that was like, you know, probably a little bigger in my head. And I'm like, whoa, what's this contraption, you know? Mm-hmm. And then um, we're smoking a blunt outside. I'm like, nice, what's a blunt? And uh, my friend's like, yo, you want to hit the roach? And I'm like, I don't know what that roach is, but yes. <laughs> just means the very end of it which is usually just kind of disgusting but yeah not. but uh but it was like a i i really that was like the first time i really had like the the culture mm-hmm. of weed experience you know and the camaraderie of like those people that you're enjoying it with and everyone's like yeah you won't get high the first time bro you never get high the first time i'm like for sure <laughs> and uh i got ripped like yeah. like hallucinating ripped you know yeah and I went to my friend's house that night and I was like watching Paul Rudd on uh, in I Love You, Man. And like, it was just like ringing in my head, this Paul Rudd voice. And like, I had this like, you know, body <laughs> high too, oh, yeah. where I, I like, where I like my body feels like, like it's racing and I'm not even moving, you know? And it was like hilarious, but it, it, it was like almost too much. Yeah. But, uh, but it, it was fantastic. And so, I, I really only did it like maybe twice, three times more after that, up until I was like the end of my senior year. Like I didn't do it very many times. And then I was dating this girl when I was 17, right at the end of my senior year. And we ended up having a, a really intense breakup. Mm. I screwed up. I told her about it. And then, um, you know, I, I was super hard on myself mm. and my friends were kind of trying to my two of my guy friends were trying to like cheer me up and like hang out with me a lot. And then um, they were being really good friends and 
I ended up, you know, we always ended up smoking together though. Cause we're like chilling in the backyard for summer and like about to go to college. So we're just like, yeah, you know, yeah. whatever you're on, you're on cloud nine, you have no responsibilities. Okay. You know? and, I'm, and we're, we literally like, we're trying to trademark our phrase amongst our friends, right? Like, fuck it. Right. Like, do you want to do this? And it was always like, well, fuck it. Let's do it. Right. Yeah. And so that just became the motto. And so I got into it. And then my, when I got to Cal Poly, my roommate, Tom Smiley, him and I ended up bonding a lot over weed. So like, it just became this thing that we did to like, you know, we go out off, off the dorms for a sec, smoke and like come back and just be like, yeah, <laughs> and just ripped in the dorms. I don't know. It just became a thing. And I started to really enjoy the culture of it. Mm. And the people that I would smoke with, it was just like never a bad experience. Right. Versus with drinking, I found there was like a lot of, you know, anger and drama. charged emotions and yeah. Yeah, 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 a yeah. lot of drama. And versus like whenever you're smoking weed with your friends, mm-hmm. nothing seemed to go awry. And mm-hmm. if it did, it was because you were having a weird overreaction. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. And, uh, but like that was your own anxiety, perhaps maybe uh, making that happen. Mm-hmm. But, that's what I find is people don't really talk about necessarily the culture of cannabis as much as I think it should be talked about. Cause I think that so yeah. often like you're kind of, it seems like a lot of people and in my own experience, you know, I can kind of talk from the fact that like, it seems like a lot of people are kind of like, you know, black and white on it a little bit. It's either like you're for it and you think that it's like this kind of be all end all cure for everything. You know, it's the, it's the bees knees and whatnot. And then some people are like, it's a, you know, it's a drug. It's leads to nothing but bad news and that kind of stuff. But no one really talks about the culture. Like that really stuck out to me when you were kind of talking there and, you know, through your work with, uh, with Cottonmouth and then your podcast as well, the Boncast, like Mm -hmm. you have been so heavily exposed to the culture. Like what about the culture do you just find so like, alluring and you want to like tell these stories like what's kind of just like the what's fueling your just like desire to do this yeah also a great question thanks dude um yeah no i think a lot of it one like i was saying like there was never a negative experience Mm. like like with people too i feel like when 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 you're smoking in a crew like even if it feels tension or awkward at first, as soon as everyone hits that first rip, like all all judgments of the other person go out the window, kind of, mm-hmm. you know. And you're just you're bonding over the fact that you're smoking weed mm-hmm. because, like, you know, it's been illegal for so long, or it's still obviously yeah. illegal in a lot of places. And it just feels like you're sticking it to the man, right? If you will. But like, I don't know. It's just kind of like, yeah, yeah. We smoke weed. We're smoking yeah, weed yeah. together, you know? And like, and, and, and then obviously the physical effects that it does create, you are in a relaxed state. You are releasing, you know, serotonin and dopamine into your brain. You are literally happier mm-hmm. um, by doing, by, by like consuming cannabis and cannabinoids. And so you're engaging your endocannabinoid system that is is literally giving you a feeling that you can only get when you're consuming cannabis right so you're just bonding over the fact that you're both on that level Mm -hmm. that's one um two i think uh in regards to like cannabis becoming legal it fascinated me right because like like i said when i was a freshman I, i was super against weed right right like i i was like 
thinking about it like it's the devil's lettuce, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember even like saying to my friend, being like, bro, if you smoke weed, like I'll, I'll punch you in the arm. I already told his older brother I'd do that. Yeah, or something. I don't know. Some stupid yeah, thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? But, and, but, but it was like, it, it made me really think. I, I think I'm a pretty reflective person. And I was really like, why? You know, it's, it's insane that how it's legal, right? And like, but then, you know, you, I, this was before, obviously, all of this Black Lives Matter stuff was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, Black Lives Matter stuff was happening and getting started at this time, but I was um, in my college bubble. I was not really thinking about that or watching the news on stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was really, it was about what was in front of my face. Um, and the thing is I was experiencing was why I was thinking about this and doing the research on it perhaps because people in the cannabis industry, when I would go to events and network, they talked about the inequities in cannabis. Mm. And I was like, that's really interesting. And I was listening a lot cause I'm filming, right? I'm not really necessarily butting into all the conversations I'm really just listening. And plus the events I was going to were called blunt talks and they're like, uh, they're branded as like the TED Talks for cannabis. And so industry leaders with tons of experience come and they talk about their experience in cannabis for the last 30 years. Now think about how crazy that is. Like they were, they were working with cannabis when it was completely illegal. Right. And then when it was finally medically legal, right. There's people that from like 1996, once we had prop 215 in California, which allowed for like the sale and consumption legally and, purchasing of medical cannabis Hmm. and that carried on through 2016 right for 20 years until we finally had recreational laws yeah so there's people working in that industry for 20 years bro and i was like amazed with the stories i was hearing Mm -hmm. at the from the people at those events because you know you can empathize with being an entrepreneur and just on that level and then you're like wow it's crazy like they were running the risk of being like sent to prison for life essentially because they kept at their business they were risking going to prison for life and a lot of people did go to prison for life because of it because they were literally just trying to provide medicine to people and so it just it right it makes you just like like you know you, you really just have to think about it and it made me so interested in understanding like how that happened and um, more so like, okay, what's the industry going to look like in the future? And there's a, you know, so everyone, a lot of people talked about the fact that like a lot of people in the cannabis industry are white owners of dispensaries and, you know, any most types right. of cannabis businesses, right? Where they're touching the plant because when they legalized cannabis, they made it a very like high ante up, a very tough buy-in, mm-hmm. you know? And really, the only way to get into the legal cannabis industry in California, especially, was to have a fuck ton of money. Right. And so, you know, I I met a guy when I was doing these photos up in Humboldt, and he was like a third generation cannabis farmer, right? Okay. So like, his, his whole family's been yeah. doing a cannabis farm for, for generations. And, you know, it's like, we go to his house, and he's like, yeah, here, come on. And he like takes these like one pound trash bags and he just like rolls them up and he's like here just you know, stick your head in and you're just like okay <laughs> and you're like wow like that's some pungent shit you know and it, it was just amazing to see someone who was like you know almost like a solemn yay but with mm. cannabis you know mm. that's and then he was telling me a story about how 
when they when cannabis become re- became recreationally legal, think about this. They've been generations of farmers, right? Mm-hmm. To 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 run that, they've been paying a lot of the same dues, if you will, along the way. Absolutely. They had to pay a quarter of a million dollars just to keep their farm. Wow. To get proper licensing, to apply to all the applications, oh my to God. get approved finally, you know, and every step of the way it, it costs money. Right. And then you need to hire lawyers because you need to protect yourself because you're dealing with the government on a very, you know, obviously touchy issue that is very expensive and you don't want to get fucked. So it's just a super expensive process. And it's, it seems a bit unjust, right? That like someone who's been doing something for generations, all of a sudden just is like, has to pay the government this huge amount of money just to keep doing what they were doing. Right. When when they ha- were some of the people that laid the groundwork for this industry to even fucking exist. Wow. And cool. so that's wow. that's the problem with like the social inequity, right? Of like there being people in prison for distributing weed right. or manufacturing weed or growing weed. And it's a huge disservice to the industry to have those people now sitting behind bars witnessing a legal industry where people are making mad profit, mad money. And it's continuing to grow. And the people that are making a shit ton of money from it were people that hadn't just, you know, made enough money to be able to buy in. Right. For the most part. That's not true, obviously, across the entire board. Mm. Like, but for the most part, right, it's super fucked if you're in jail for having minor possessions or even large possessions and distribution for weed. But now you're behind bars and watching like these people you've never even heard of that. <clears throat> You know, maybe we're never even a part of the industry until it was legal, which again, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be a part of the industry now, right? Like you have to, like, that's, you know, it's part of the game, of if course. you will. Like sure. anyone can be a part of any industry, right? But you have to observe that inequity that like, well, shouldn't at least the people that are in prison, one, they should get out, right? And they yeah. shouldn't have a felon record if, if, if like it's no all longer. they were doing was weed, right? Yeah. Like they shouldn't have to walk walk around being a, a convicted felon for the rest of their life either, because that's a fucked thing. Can't vote, can't mm-hmm. do a lot of things, can't get most jobs. Mm-hmm. So that's super fucked. So it's already ruined that person's life on that level. But then now, right, like they should be able to have a cannabis business if they were helping lay the groundwork for the industry in the first place, right? Mm-hmm. And I think from a mental health perspective, that's interesting too, because like, you know, to think that they have to sit, you know, behind bars and they have to see people profiting from a business that they, as you said, like laid the groundwork for and stuff like that is, you know, it, mentally that would be, that would be crazy, you know, crazy tough. Like, you know, bringing up the mental health aspect of it too is a, is a really good point. Obviously for a, that's the topic of your podcast, <laughs> but, um, but for the sake of, yeah. that's a, but that's like, that's a real problem. Right. Yeah. And that's tough. Right. If you hear something long enough, you start to believe it. Yeah. You know, like if, if people keep calling you a criminal long enough, like yep. you kind of start to believe it. Absolutely. And so you really right. It, it, and that, that's what's so hard. I'm sure obviously like witnessing what they're seeing in, in laws being passed and businesses that are, are existing and how like literally you can advertise now. Right. Like we sell weed. Come on in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. When they went to prison for that. Yeah. And it's kind of like, it's like a, it's literally just extremely confusing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but anyways, to sort of answer the question of like why I'm like interested in it or passionate about it, I think it started out where I was like, I just wanted to film events and get free weed. Right. <laughs> if I'm being super honest, like oh, that's where it started, yeah. right? I was a 21 year old dude that loved consuming cannabis and loved the culture of it and was just like, I love people. So I was just, you know, I was also figuring my shit out about yeah. what felt right about doing what I was going to do with my life. Cause I felt like when I graduated from college, I felt like I really had been woken up to the fact of like, wow, I really think I was going to college because my parents told me that that was really the right thing to do. And I believed them. And I do think it was the right thing for me, but I was really just a part of the machine, mm. right. Of, of like, just, okay. Yeah. We got to go to college because yeah. me having a degree is going to be the best case scenario. But I was kind of like, yeah, I think I want to be an educator, but now I was like, no, nah, I want to be an entrepreneur. And I was like, did well, I even need you to go to college? Educator. I was like, did I even need to go to college? Like, yeah. because I do editing, right. And film, mm. right. Like I bought a camera to do it and a computer and like, I didn't need to take all those classes necessarily and spend, you know, between me and my parents, a hundred thousand dollars. Oh. At, for school, right? Yeah. So now, so now I have twenty thousand dollars of debt left still, and I've been graduated for three years. So it's like I've hardly made a dent in it because I'm not making very much money. Right. And you know, did I do I need to have this twenty thousand dollars of debt? Do my parents need that extra seventy grand of debt? Like, yeah, maybe not. Yeah. And and I at least I didn't go get my credential and waste another year. I decided that wasn't worth it. So. Good man. <laughs> yeah. So, but I, yeah, you know, I feel like I totally got woken up and I was like, man, I, I don't know if what I was doing was what I wanted to do. Right. So now I'm really passionate about doing what I want to do mm -hmm. and that, uh, sticking to that. For sure. But, do you think that like weed was like a, you know, a huge proponent in you kind of making that decision and you waking up as you kind of put it? Well, you know, I was smoking pretty much all through college. So, um, but I think it was interesting being exposed to like this, the inequities in cannabis because yeah. the inequities in cannabis really are completely related to like, obviously the, the, the whole like black lives matter movement that's going on. Right. Um, you know, if you've ever seen the movie, uh, documentary 13, you were telling me about that the other day. I I've seen it on Netflix. I haven't, uh, I haven't got around to it yet, but I will for sure. And it's, it basically explains the U S prison boom. Mm -hmm. um in depth starting back all the way from the 13th amendment in 1865 when they abolished slavery mm -hmm. and really like in there it explains a lot right and um a lot of what they're talking about though right like the cannabis mm -hmm. cannabis being a schedule one drug and then having the three strike rule and a war on drugs mm -hmm. and a war on like really black and latino people right and so that's that's where that's where it like opened me up because before all this was happening, I, w I felt like I was actually really aware of this issue, right? And where it was stemming from, and how cannabis industry is like a huge like yeah. representation of that inequity in a legitimate way, mm -hmm. and it's so new, it's so infant, and I was like, man, I'm really the perfect age to like really dedicate my life to being a part yeah. of the cannabis industry. Mm -hmm. You know, I was like the perfect age. I was just 21 when it legalized, and um, then I was like, wow, now I'm able to go to these events, educate myself and film it. And like my tagline is like documenting the cannabis industry. Right. Yeah. And 
I'm very new, right? I'm very young. There's plenty of things I probably could have documented that I haven't yet. But I think that's really where my passion has continued on is the fact that I, I saw this. It makes sense to me about that it's an issue that needs to be dealt with. And like, I actually think maybe like me documenting the industry and documenting the right people and sharing good stories and doing documentaries about people in the industry that are doing the good things and right things and helping can actually make a difference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, it's you know, it's, impact. Impact is one of our core values for our company and Unreal stories. I love that. And I, you know, I think I can make an impact in the cannabis industry because I, I was literally like new year's Eve in 2000, like going into 2018 or something. Mm-hmm. And I introduced myself and I was like, uh, shaking hands with this guy at the party and he's like cotton up and i was like yeah that's sick you know? yeah, and yeah. I, he recognized my face and like so that was kind of like the first like hmm. realization where i was like oh maybe this is it's 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 doing something worth yeah. pursuing right yeah 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 Do you have, was there ever a time in your life that and i mean you there i feel like based on what we've talked about so far um i feel like there definitely there definitely has been but like uh, what when do you find that you kind of like, I don't know how to necessarily word this question, but like using cannabis essentially, like are there times in your life where you've you've turned to it and it's really kind of been like that one thing that's really helped you? I, you know, I kind of want to go like to that mental, like times yeah. in your life where you've been like, this is the thing that's helped me more than a lot of stuff where it's kind of set me in the right direction or anything like that. Um, I think for me, it was, um, you know, it was like my vice of choice. Mm. if you will right if you were to like choose between like drinking and that right i was in the fraternity so i was i was actually heavily into drinking in college mm-hmm. um but again because i was heavily into drinking i think i saw some of the of all of the horribleness yep. that can come from it and a lot of like the fun mm. aspects that can come from it and you know being a part of greek life too there's obviously like uh, a huge like you know sexual harassment mm-hmm kind of problem right and i actually do think that the culture that uh older members tend to inspire in younger members is a lot of the partying aspect right and not a lot of the responsible philanthropy aspect Mm. or even just like the responsible young man aspect Mm. so that gets lost in the fraternity and I, i saw a lot of it firsthand secondhand whatever through stories whatever personal friends that went through bad shit like um i'm very fortunate i never went through some like really intense shit but like still like you know i felt like it was a culture that was this never ending like who's sicker competition Mm -hmm. that that like even the dads right that were like the cool dads that were down to drink with the young guys and then you know i thought to myself so like so this guy this dad's just like reliving his college days through his fifties, almost into his sixties. And he's just like this, like kind of fat dad now that like, everyone's like, dude, your dad's sicker than you. And it's like, or he's even, you know, swearing a bunch or talking as if he's like this young 20 year old or whatever. And I'm just like, man, that guy's kind of a loser. No offense. You know, like, like you're living in your past and you're waiting to go drink with your kids once they're old enough, basically. And you're encouraging the fact that like getting plastered at the age of like almost 60 is dope. Mm. And it's like, nah, hard work is fucking dope. Mm. Living the life you want to live is dope. You know, 
And a lot of those guys were successful guys. And so it, it just confused me that they're trying to inspire that. I get it. You know, I know where I'm at. I know it's not the fraternity. I know that drinking is fun. Yeah. But you got to think about the example that you're setting, right? Being a positive male role model. That became really passion for me while I was at Cal Poly. Because I, that was why I wanted to be a teacher was because, you know, I was, I was like one of two guys or the only guy in a lot of my classes because most of the people in that major were girls mm. and they wanted to be teachers, which is like, you know, makes sense from the nurturing aspect that women tend to be a lot more nurturing than men. But the fact that it's not a competitive job, I started to witness all of those things. Right. And Anyways, that's that's more of a tangent going off in that direction. But okay. uh, so that's another that's another thing that inspired me, um, right? To like want to be a positive person. But like I felt like being a cannabis consumer mm -hmm. uh, or using that as my vice, that didn't cloud my judgment. You know, that didn't make me want to punch people in the face. That didn't make me want to, um, or like I didn't black out and forget yeah, 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 yeah. a complete night, right? Like. Uh, or, you know, I didn't feel like shit the next day either. Right. Um, but I felt like I could be a better person. Hmm. Like the person smoking weed, Matthew, like Matthew smoking weed is a lot um, easier to get along with than like super drunk Matthew. Right? right. Yeah. 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 So I don't know. It just it was the logical thing for me. And when college was over, even my senior year, I was really kind of over drinking. Mm -hmm. And cannabis just was like okay this is a vice i can get behind right and it makes a lot more sense for me personally but i see how like if literally let's just say you had to replace and it was like a one or the other yeah and the whole world voted on like alcohol yeah like that would be really bad in my opinion because everyone would just be using alcohol as their vice and it's shown that alcohol is a huge gateway drug to harder drugs like cocaine and shit and mm -hmm. that alcohol is what leads to a lot of fights in bars and Mm. and clouded judgment and drunk driving and sexual assaults and yep. all kinds of bad stuff in the culture that it, it that it just doesn't um have enough intention behind avoiding those things right versus cannabis is very much so like this is one a really great medicine for people that have really intense symptoms for horrible um you know diseases and whatnot but it's also as a recreational drug a lot safer mm -hmm. right and like if everyone just we decided to throw out alcohol and everyone just had to consume weed one way or another, everyone would be a lot nicer to each other, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think that's a pretty it's a debatable topic that is pretty undeniable when you look at the facts. Yeah. No, if you're really gonna dive into it, I would I would definitely I'd probably I'd probably agree with you for sure. It's and that's a that that would be a huge thing. I mean, especially being on the east coast of Canada, like that's you know, drinking is a huge aspect of the culture here. Um and when I right. went off to school, like Granted, you know, Ryerson is uh, right in downtown Toronto. Like the, the atmosphere is like a lot more like clubby and stuff. And, and so drinking is obviously a huge part of that. But I definitely say that, you know, I definitely like, you know, being around my friends and, uh, and, and being around myself, I guess, a lot more uh, if I'm consuming cannabis versus uh, consuming alcohol, for sure. Um, I do want to ask you, because with something we had kind of talked about very briefly the other day, um, I wanted to ask you about consumption use and like, responsible consumption use of cannabis and kind of like when it gets too far. Cause a lot of the times if people use it for one reason, maybe it becomes something that, um, 
is used almost in excess or, or like where that boundary is when you go from using this as medicine or using it recreationally for fun to this is actually kind of a possibly an issue. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of even along the lines of what the last question too, like my personal reasons for it being my, my vice, if you will, or whatever, but like, um, you know, I also doing the bomb cast, I, I really kind of got into some good little psychological conversations with people about like why, they use weed or like, you know, or why they're not using weed as much, mm-hmm. you know? So I like, I, one, you know, some people they're like, let's smoke on the podcast. Hell right. yeah. You know? And some people are like, well, I only smoke right before bed mm-hmm. because I was an alcoholic before or like, you know, once an alcoholic goes an alcoholic, whatever. But, you know, she was, uh, using cannabis as medicine to help her like not want to be drinking. Right. You know, and she she had like horrible nightmares when she started quitting drinking mm. that where she was like waking up thinking that she had drank because mm-hmm. in her dream she was mm-hmm. she drank. Gotcha. So it was like this this like weird PTSD that she had and cannabis is a great tool for her to like ease into sleep. And actually I've experienced it myself when I stop smoking as much. You you have super intense dreams. Mm. Okay, interesting if you smoke a lot and you all of a sudden stop, you're going to have like really intense dreams because if you use cannabis a lot, you're technically really, you're falling, you're passing out versus going, falling asleep. Mm, And so you're not, you're not um, using your circadian rhythm to help you fall asleep necessarily as much as you are using cannabis to fall asleep. Gotcha. Okay. And from a medicinal standpoint, it's really beneficial if you have like insomnia or PTSD, like it helps you like, pass out and then you can like really fall into your sleep without uh, necessarily also remembering your dream. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it, it helps you kind of not remember your dreams mm. or dream at all. Um, yeah. but, um, so, so from, for me personally, right. What I've experienced in responsible use is like, that's one of the withdrawal symptoms from like being, uh, you know, dependent on it is like you you stop using it you'll have super intense dreams for a little bit right but so as a recreational so again something that she also said was like you don't uh, like cannabis is medicine and you don't abuse medicine and i thought that was a really great philosophy to have that that's the reason why it gets legalized that's the reason for the argument of why it our legislation should be passed and why it does get passed to not be like a schedule one drug right like the arguments for why it's not a schedule one drug should also be the arguments why you shouldn't abuse it as a recreational user. Right. That makes sense. So, um, you know, it's, but like, it's not a schedule one drug, but like we're all acknowledging that it's like a mind altering substance. Right. Right. And like with anything, moderation is key, right? Mm-hmm. Like for sure. drinking too much water is yeah. bad for you. Right? Yeah. So yeah. let's just get that straight. And like water is obviously very essential to survival. Yep. But cannabis is really beneficial, right? And you can, again, the whole idea of engaging your endocannabinoid system is is really good because it's connected to a lot of the other systems in, your, in the human body. Mm-hmm. And it just allows you to be able to uh, intentionally maybe release hormones into your body to like be a happier person, right? If you like have depression, maybe, like, it's, maybe mm-hmm. it's beneficial that you can like control releasing dopamine when you're feeling down. Right. So it can be extremely beneficial on these medical levels. So if you're a recreational user like me, you need to be really responsible and do your due diligence to understand those really those reasons why it's so medically beneficial. Right. 
because you're still putting that medicine into your body. Yeah. Yeah. And so you should understand what you're putting into your body always, right? Like with the food you're eating and like the, the water you're drinking, um, all kinds of things that you should understand, right? And cannabis shouldn't be no different. Mm -hmm. And so also again, right? Like you're not going to eat dessert four times a day, right? right? <laughs> or if you are, or if you are, you know who you are and you've got a problem. Yeah. And eating dessert four times a day isn't a good idea, but mm -hmm. brownies are fucking delicious. Right. So what are we going to do? Well, we're going to eat brownies like every few days or once a week or right. once a month, or maybe you really love brownies. So you found this good recipe that isn't super high in sugar. So like whatever you, your brownies, you know, every other day, Yeah. even that, I would say like that, that can be okay. Mm -hmm. I want to see that, that workout going ham, but like that's okay. <laughs> True. You know, so everything in moderation is really important. And we we have this problem, not this problem, this unaddressed uh, subconscious bias that like smoking weed all day long is cool. Mm. And especially amongst like influencers in the space, they're, you know, I, the tweets they're sending out, the 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 videos they're doing, like even I saw this one thing for like, you know, which is for a good cause, supposedly, right, for doing something um to help the black lives matter movement and uh, in some in a form of donation but like each dollar was a different representation of a different smoking method so it was like uh for one dollar we'll hit the, the joint once for two dollars we'll hit the blunt twice and for three dollars we hit the bomb mm. for five dollars we do a dab you know and it's like this marathon right. like a telephone right and great intention behind what they're trying to do right yeah. So that has to be recognized, but you need to realize like you sitting there and like getting high as fuck over this, like, is that really beneficial for you? Right. Is that really the smartest thing to do? Like, cause guess what? Now people want to see that again. Yeah. And so you need to one step up your content from the previous time you did it, but then you also need to like smoke in order for that to happen. Right. And so now you're really encouraging yourself to just be consuming, consuming, consuming to get those views, right? And like, yeah. it's a dangerous mental game already with YouTubers and uh, Instagram influencers of like, the number of likes and the number of views is obviously correlated to the statistic that helps them make money. Right. So that's like the more views they get, the more impressions they make, the more money that they can charge for their posts and the more money that they can make the better life that they can live. Yeah. And so from that aspect, okay, yeah, that's a kind of a vicious cycle of like, I need to get views to make money, but it's also a vicious, even more vicious cycle now to say like, I need to smoke even greater and better and more in order to get that number of likes or that number of views right. to pay my bills. So it's like, I need to pay my bills by literally smoking weed. And they're very proud of that, which yeah. again, I'd be proud of that too. I am, I'm proud of however the hell I fucking make my money, right? Because yeah. I'm happy doing it. Yeah. But it just, it doesn't make sense to me that that's the thing that we're encouraging that like, dude, be a cannabis influencer and everyone that tries to be an influencer right now, for the most part that I witness, they're going about it by being like, dude, next sesh, like watch, look at me, I'm smoking and it's a photo and like, here's the right. dab hit and like, oh, hit a bong with me people. And like, yeah, I'm high is. as fuck. Like, dude, man, I'm high as fuck. Like I see so much of that shit and I'm like, what value are you bringing? Yeah. And really responsible cannabis. So responsible cannabis use, you know, is like obviously very individual, right? Yeah. Like do you need it for medical reasons. Great. But if you're using it recreationally, I think the volume, you need to check yourself, right? I just did a tolerance break for a week because 
I'm checking myself. You know, I was consuming too much. I wanted to hit the bong before the run. I wanted to hit the bong before I went to go do groceries. I wanted to hit right. the bong before I went to hang out with my friends. I wanted to hit the bong before I hit this edit. Yeah. But, but that's not a healthy habit, right? Mm-hmm. And it's detrimental to your mental health to keep wanting to release dopamine and serotonin into your brain at all times of the day. And that's why you get habitualized. Right. So if you can be really happy all day long without hitting your weed, like, bro, it's 10 times better at night, second of all. And then you get that dopamine release, that serotonin is just like, you're not distracting yourself and taking time away and, um, you know, detrimental to your lung health over time too, not to mention. Hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. Dude, that's, I love it. Like, you know, actually having like, actually having a real conversation about this kind of stuff. Cause I feel like so many people kind of gloss over it. Like, to yeah. actually and, I, and don't get me wrong. I love weed and I smoke oh. weed every day pretty much, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so that's, that's why, I, that's why I feel comfortable saying all that stuff. Cause I'm a, I'm a big advocate for weed consumption, mm. but responsible weed consumption because I see a lot of stupid shit out there. Yeah. You know, you, you've kind of seen, that's why I was so excited to have this conversation with you because like the perspective that you have is so unique because you've been exposed to so much. Well, I appreciate it. Hopefully, hopefully, um, my perspective can catch on more. And yeah, for sure. More influencers in the space, if you will. I hate that word, but like people <laughs> with an audience in the space can start to encourage the right direction. Because guess what? That's how you're going to get mainstream gigs. Right. You're not going to get mainstream gigs being being the stoner advocate. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, I'm a stoner. If you want. I've been a stoner, but it, you got to be an advocate for the right things. Yeah, for sure. Every, you know, at the end of everything, I give out a challenge. Usually I give out a challenge to the people who are listening, something that they can implement into their lives, something that they can implement, whether it's like a daily thing, a monthly thing, a, an annual thing um, that they can do to help them kind of better their mental health. Uh, in your experience with everything that you've went to, what's a challenge that you would put forth to uh, anybody listening to the podcast right now to help them out on their day to day? You know, it's funny, this is, this is like sort of related to cannabis, but sort of not. And I was, I just had this experience with my friend actually. And I was really like, he's really stubborn, you know, and we're, it was basically a scheduling fiasco for some, he wanted to go to a protest. And so I was like, dude, let's go. And, but it was his idea. And I felt like I sort of had to take the ownership of organizing it. Right. And it got frustrating because he's a very like, much so like, let's just go, let's wing it kind of a yeah, guy. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I've very much so become kind of like a let's schedule it mm-hmm. guy because it makes me feel less anxious about my work to schedule things. And so I literally wrote this down on my whiteboard yesterday, but you know, my friend was saying how he's like, I was like, bro, I get you're a wing it guy. I am too, but I'm in the middle of converting over to a, a schedule it guy. Yeah. 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 And he's like, haha, I feel like I need to actually convert over to because I feel like I'm I'm probably better off that way. Mm. And I was like, I, I I was so happy he said that actually, because he's such a talented artist. And I and the only thing I think getting in his way is 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 him not being a scheduler guy. Yeah. So in regards to mental health and being like self-aware and intentional are really important right? Just with, mm-hmm. with life, but that, that helps with your mental health because you can be self-aware about your situation. Maybe realize you're overreacting and just being really hard on yourself. Yeah. But, um, the, the quote, right. Is don't wing it, schedule it. Mm. 
don't wing it, schedule it. Because when I have a scheduled thing, like we're, we're fearful of the unknown. Anxiety is caused by not knowing what's going to happen next. Right. By not knowing what's going on and not being okay with that because you're fearful of the unknown. Yeah. But if you have a schedule and you know what's going to happen, you're at least setting yourself up to, to be able to control your anxiety because you know what's happening. So schedule it, don't wing it. I know like if you're a wing it type of person, it's so easy to want to just like, oh yeah, we'll go on Thursday. Or yeah. like, yeah. oh yeah, I'll, I'll do it later. Write it down and schedule the time for it. And it'll make you feel so much better about it. That's awesome, man. I love that. I, I do, trust me, I am a I am a big wing it person, but like having recently moving back home, I noticed uh, back in, in my apartment in Toronto, I have a whiteboard that I've got a bunch of stuff on. I've got my calendar pl- plastered on the wall and coming back here, um, I don't have that. And even though I'm out of school, like with things with the podcast, things with just like, you know, learning new skills and stuff like that, I really miss having that structure. I miss having like, you know, people are just reaching out being like, oh yeah, let's do this today. Let's do this tomorrow. And it's like, oh, like kind of thought I was going to do other things, but like, you know, I like the, I like the having a routine, having a schedule. Like it's, it's great. Yeah, dude. And I'm, I'm completely with you. I have two whiteboards. I got these sticky notes as hell and like a planner. Right. right. Yeah, yeah. And like, Honestly, that's that's like the secret to um, me feeling like I'm having a good mental health week, if you will, where I'm not being anxious about my work. It's because I know what time everything is happening at because I took that extra hour on Sunday to, to just understand what I'm going to do for the week. Love it, dude. Yo, Matt, this has been uh, this has been a lot of fun, buddy. I really uh, I really appreciate you uh, taking the time, scheduling it and coming on. Dude, I really appreciate you having me on and asking such good questions. Guys, massive shout out to Matt for coming on the podcast today. Check out all of his social media channels. I'm going to tag, I'm going to put them down in the description because I, I can't really tag them. Uh, you know, follow him on Instagram at Matt Meredith. That's M-A-T-T-M-E-R-E-D-I-T-H. Unreal Stories, just at Unreal Stories and Cottonmouth Media, as you guessed, probably at Cottonmouth Media. It really um, couldn't have made it any easier for you. Yeah, honestly, though. Uh, I, I love getting Matt's perspective on the cannabis industry because because you're a delinquent pothead. Maybe. I, well, you know, I was just gonna say because it's it's such an intricate industry, you know. But see, the what, people can't see, but you're wearing a tie dye bandana, man. So you can't hide I, the come truth, on, man. You don't have to out me like that. It looks good. I he's a great guy, and the way that he was able to articulate how the world of cannabis and the world of mental health intertwine is, is super cool. Super cool. You know, unlike you, Matt, super cool. You, I'm, I'm what? Oh, that, that, that was it. I'm done. Uh, guys, uh, follow the podcast on social media at Life's Rec Podcast and me. No at, one's still listening. Uh, come on, you, you never know. Oh, oh, oh I know. It, it's at Morzy with with three Y's. M O O R Z Y Y Y. Yeah, yeah. Go go follow at Morzy, and we'll we'll see how many people are still. Uh, send me a message. Point. We can keep the conversation going. And as I'm sitting here putting up with this absolute pain in my ass all i can think all i can think the only thing keeping me sane is that life's a wreck even on a budget quality is non-negotiable That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. 
And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.